Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Here we are, folks. Episode 16. Only three short episodes left into the next installment of Hometown Legends. So I trust you guys are as excited as I am. Well, tonight I have a terrifying episode coming down the pike for you guys. An episode filled with ghosts, strange occurrences, monsters, and even a potential prehistoric reptile sighting. So what do you say? We go ahead and get started. We kick things off tonight with that prehistoric reptile call. A call sent in by Chloe in parts unknown. Hi, this is Chloe. I'm a trucker, been doing it for about six years now. In my first maybe year or second year, I was on the I-10 corridor somewhere between Florida and probably Louisiana. And up in the sky, I saw what I could only describe as a pterodactyl. I'm fairly familiar with bigger birds. You know, I've seen like the kingfishers and the cranes and everything flying and I was 99% sure it wasn't one of those. Don't remember enough detail to truly describe it, but I know it didn't have the crest on the head that some people report. Um, it was just the wing shape um, for the most part that really said pterodactyl to me. I tried to get a picture, but it was too far away. I couldn't really see color or anything, but it was, if it was a bird, it was definitely a big one and, you know, could have easily been one, but I don't know. That's that story. Uh, so my only other story about trucking thus far is I was driving through, uh, I believe, I-84 in Idaho, probably Boise, Idaho, uh, one of the cities on that route. I think Boise might be the only big one. So I'm driving along, it's nighttime, and strangely up in the sky, I see just a, a really fairly bright red orangish light. And it turns on, and another one or two turn on beside it, just more or less in a straight line, and turn back off. And then a couple more come on and turn off, and they're all mostly in a straight line, a um, little bit higher, a little bit lower not like a uniform distance apart or anything. And at first I'm saying, are they flares? But they weren't falling. 
they weren't really rising or falling from what I could tell. So flare was kind of out and it wasn't like a, a airplane light. There wasn't the red and green. There wasn't any flashing lights. And I just watched these things about every 30 seconds or so come on and, you know, just sort of take turns coming on and several would be on at once. I think the max I saw was maybe five at a time. I, I literally watched these things for 10, 15 minutes and could not for the life of me figure out what it was. You know, I was fairly excited. Hey, I, I finally saw something I might could call a UFO. At least that's what I thought at the time. Uh, about three days later, spent just really going through everything in my head that this could possibly be. I finally come up with the idea of a hot air balloon and it would fit. It looked almost like a campfire. It was not perfectly round. The lights weren't. They'd come on and go off like a hot air balloon would. And so I'm, I'm fairly certain that's what I saw. But I haven't been able to establish whether or not hot air balloons have to have running lights at night, like airplanes or helicopters do. You would think they would. These didn't. That said, almost certainly hot air balloons. Enjoying the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Chloe. This might surprise a couple of you, but I've received quite a few submissions that seem to describe this very same creature. Some sort of flying reptile. A pterodactyl, for lack of a better term. Well, these calls come in from all over the country, but perhaps you'd be surprised to learn that there's an entire country thought to be inhabited by these winged blasts from the past. Now it's said that on the island of Papua New Guinea, there's a beast known as the Ropen, and witnesses claim that the creature has a wingspan of over 25 feet and even displays bioluminescence, allowing its nighttime flights to be observed. Now over the years, there have been dozens of reports submitted, both from natives and outsiders alike. Outsiders like Dwayne Hodgkinson, who saw the creature while on the island in 1944. We're uh, going along this trail, and it was about noontime, and, uh, and the guide, our native guide, had gone on up the trail farther. It was a fairly large clearing. Uh, a grassy clearing, the grass is probably a foot and a half or two feet high. We heard this thrashing coming through the brush, and we, we both, that both, both of us that drew our attention to this, to this area, and then we saw this huge, great big, what I said, bird at that time, take off. I thought it was just a bird, you know, but anyway, it was huge, and uh, it, as it, as it took off, the wing, I, w I, w I estimated the wing flaps were maybe about one or two seconds in, in frequency. And the brush all below was totally swaying from the, from the downrush of the air from these wings. And so the creature flew out a little ways and we were discussing what in the world was that. And uh, here it turned around and came back and it was up probably, I would say, maybe 50 or 100 feet above us and flew right back alongside 
and we got a perfect side view of it. And I was just totally fascinated. It had the long appendage out the back of its head, and uh, uh, it had a long neck, and I recalled the color was either all, it was a dark color, it could have been either, it wasn't a black, but it was a dark color. I was so fascinated with the appendage out the back of his head, and I was watching that as he flew by, and I didn't pay attention to what the end of his tail looked like, uh -huh. so I don't know. And you're sure it wasn't just long legs? It no, was, no. It was a tail, you just didn't yes. zero in on that. You were zeroing in on more than on the right. head. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now, what was the visibility of the vegetation like between you and the creature? Was it a lot oh, of bushes clear. in the way? No, absolutely clear. At that time, I, I owned a Piper Tri-Pacer. It has a 29-foot uh, wing spread. Okay. And I would say that that pterodactyl had the approximate same wing spread as what, as what my airplane did. That clip comes courtesy of Jonathan Whitcomb, a self-proclaimed expert on the Robin. I've also linked to a series of interviews Whitcomb conducted on a few locals who also saw the creature. Now, as my research progressed, I began to uncover some information that suggests Whitcomb may have either misinterpreted or outright hoaxed some of these sightings to help support his creationist ideology. Now, I've actually linked to a video by Trey the Explainer. He does an amazing job of explaining Whitcomb's precarious involvement in this situation. In case you're not picking up on this, take this roping thing with a huge grain of salt. So at the very least, Chloe, it appears that you're not alone in what you saw. Explaining it away is another thing altogether. So thank you again for taking the time to share. Now our next entry delivers on the promise of ghosts, or at the very least, some other sort of otherworldly entity. This is Daniel's story from the state of Washington. Hey Derek, this is Daniel from Vancouver, Washington. Been listening to your podcast for quite a while and love actually putting it on when I'm falling asleep. I don't know why that is, but I do. Anyway, was just actually listening to it and decided to finally share a story from back when I was in college. I had come home from staying in the dorms for a weekend and a buddy was in town as well. And so we were, we were both at my parents' house, which was in Portland, Oregon area. And we had been hanging out, watching a movie and um, ended up just falling asleep downstairs. He was on the couch, I was down on the floor, and yeah, fell asleep. And I think it probably was around one o'clock in the morning, for some reason, I just woke up. And man, it gives me chills thinking about it still. But anyway, woke up and happened to look over at the couch where my buddy was asleep. And there was just this really obvious, dark, shadowy figure standing behind him at the one end of the couch and just staring down at him and I just was looking and I was like am I seeing this what am I you know you just you pause for a minute and try and collect your thoughts 
try and see if you're sleeping. And, oh, man, and then the thing just, its head just turned and looked at me, and I just flipped. Um, All I knew to do was throw my pillow at this thing, so I throw my pillow, and I dash over to my friend and wake him up, and the thing is gone. So for some reason, he was just as freaked as I was, even though he hadn't seen anything. And here we are, you know, two young dudes trying to be young men, and we're we're just absolutely terrified, and uh, me especially so. So anyway, we go upstairs and decide, okay, I guess we're not going to sleep downstairs tonight, which means now it's just these two college buddies, and we're going to sleep on a twin bed because we're too scared to sleep downstairs. So anyway, we go upstairs, and my sister had woken up from us coming upstairs, and she was saying how she had, you know, had some kind of creepy experiences and we had been talking and, you know, kind of trying to calm ourselves down. And as I walked over across the hall to go into her room, she was sitting on her bed and there was a face looking inside the window from our two-story window. I just couldn't even believe it. Like, it was just a white, like face looking in the window um and i just again just peeling out of there and i told her get out there's a face looking in the window and you know you guys yeah, have that moment of panic and um after we settled down and you know went back and had the courage to look there's nothing there and oh man we tried everything i could to figure out how it could have been a reflection i just couldn't come up with anything so anyway that was at least one weird night that I had. Thanks again for your show, and uh, hope you all have a good rest of your night. Don't get too creeped out. Bye. Thanks, Daniel. I certainly don't have much to go on here, but I get this nagging feeling that this presence, whatever it may be, was there for the friend and not so much for Daniel. Think about it. It was only seen while the friend was in the home. It was standing over the friend when it was witnessed, and the friend had a very visceral reaction to it, despite the fact that he wasn't awake to actually see the entity. Almost as if he'd seen it before and was already afraid of it. Now, we've obviously talked about spirit possession and ghost attachment before, so perhaps it's something along those lines that's going on here. Either way, something tells me, though, Daniel that if you were to press this friend for some information on this encounter, I'd bet my bottom dollar that he'd be able to tell you a lot more than you would think. Thank you again for taking the time to share that entry. Now our next tale of the evening takes me back home. Sort of. The following is Sean's call from the state of Ohio. Hi, Derek. This is Sean from Hilliard, Ohio. I left you the story about the haunted house on Walker Road, and I've got a alien black cat story I've recently heard. So, this isn't my story. I farm my entire life. I've worked on farms, and nowadays, you know, farmhands come and go. A lot of these guys are in trouble or really don't have a lot going on in their life, so they turn over every couple of years. Well, about... Two or three months ago, our new guy, Dave, 
was hanging out with us, my father and I, after we got done working one day. And we talked about there's been a bear spotted close to London, Ohio, where our farms are. And that's kind of a big deal because we don't see bears that often in this part of Ohio or in Ohio in general. So we talked about what the weirdest animals we've ever seen farming. Because this guy, Dave, he used to farm too in uh, Mississippi. So I had seen a, a really big owl once. I think it was a horned owl. And my dad had seen a bobcat. And this guy straight up says, well, I saw a panther. And we're like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, back when I farmed in Mississippi, I saw a panther. And he didn't seem like it. He acted like it wasn't a big deal. And I was like, I listen to your show a lot. I'm like, hey, man, that's like that's like seeing Bigfoot, dude. That's kind of a big deal, man. Tell me a story. So here's, here's what he said, man. So in Mississippi, he farmed there from 2005 to 2010. And he had a huge farm. They had a hog problem, a wild hog problem, just like Texas, Texas is having, having now. So everyone and their brother had a gun in the truck or on their person at all times for these wild hogs. They're really mean, apparently. So after the day's work, Dave and his helper were sitting by their, standing by their truck on Dave's property talking about what they were going to do the next day. So they're sitting there talking, and Dave's helper just kind of gets quiet and looks out toward the wood line. So according to him, his house was by the road, and then maybe 60 feet, there was a fence. And in front of the fence, he had an above-ground pool. So it's really not that big of a yard. And there were two trees. So he looks over, Dave does, toward the fence line where his, his helper is looking, and he sees what he thinks is a big hog. And he you know, reaches in his pocket or whatever for his gun, his pistol, and then his buddy, his helper, kind of shakes his head like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. And it gets closer and starts putting his paws up on a tree like it's sniffing around. And it's, he said, it's a panther. It's a huge black cat. So he looks at his buddy and his buddy looks at him and his buddy reaches over into the truck he was leaning against and pulls out a rifle, a twenty-two. So Dave said that they both leveled their guns at this thing and got a bead on it and... He, he gave the one, two, three symbol with his hands, and they were going to shoot on three. Well, he thought for a second, and then he waved it off. He's like, no, don't shoot, don't shoot, because he was afraid, as the cat now walked in front of the above-ground pool, that if they missed, they would hit the pool and ruin it. So he gave the, you know, wait a second sign. And as soon as it passed the pool, they both shot. Well, Dave said he's sure he missed, and he thinks his partner missed too, his helper. He said, you know, this thing wasn't more than 40 feet away. And this is a guy, you know, he's a good old boy farmer. And uh, he knows what animals look like. And really, I don't take him for much of a liar at all. Here's what gives him, gives him credibility in my mind, man. This guy does not watch Animal Planet. He doesn't know much about exotic game, right? He said the way it walked, it looked like a bodybuilder. You know, shoulders really animated, going up and down, up and down. And it was long, and it was jet black. And he said when they shot and missed, and Dave said that as soon as they shot, it didn't take off running. It jumped almost like straight up, like it bounced straight up a few feet, hit the ground, and was gone. Just floored it, gone out of there. Yeah, his partner and him were kind of like dumbstruck, like did we just see what we thought we saw? So Dave, you know, being a pretty normal guy, told everyone he worked with, and anyone at the bar, be <laughs> the bar the next day. And he said that the old-timers that he spoke with, because there are a few that work on those farms, they're, they're huge farms in Mississippi, they weren't that surprised. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, my dad, you know, he shot one once, or 
my mom says she saw one in the back, you know, in the garden one time. And he was like, okay, well, I'm not crazy. And then get this. Oh, two weeks later, Dave's son says he saw one, maybe the same one, crossing his driveway. He had a long driveway. And he said it was as, as wide as a four-wheeler because that's all his driveway would fit, that or a motorcycle. And, um, yeah, so he, this guy's telling us this story. And I'm like, well, t- you know, what else do you got, man? Like, I was dying to hear more. Well, he said that in Mississippi, in the South, you can find old, like, hunting guides, like self-published hunting guides and books that old-time, you know, woodsmen wrote just to try to make a little extra scratch when they were too old to go out and do it. That would mention black cats, like actual black panthers, not Florida panthers, not bobcats. Black, like, sounds like jaguars when you read the descriptions. And I'm like, this sounds like the ABCs I hear about on, you know, Monsters Among Us. And yeah, here's the kicker, man. He told me that his house was located by a place that's called Panther Swamp. And I looked it up on Google, and sure as hell, it's real. It exists. And he also said he's got a picture. He said his kid set up a trail cam on his driveway after he saw, his son saw, what was maybe the same black cat or a very similar looking one. And it's harvest in Ohio now. So I see I see Dave every day. And I've been bugging him to give me that damn picture. So best believe, as soon as I get it, you're getting it next. Want to say thanks for the show, man. I hope you can use my story or Dave's story. I don't want to take credit. Alien black cat in Mississippi. Take it easy, man. Thanks. Thank you, Sean. I actually know the Hilliard area very well. In fact, I lived there for about a year once. Now, I think Sean might have hit something right on the head here. The mention of Jaguars. Now, I won't beat a dead horse any more than I need to, but I feel it's important to mention that cougars or mountain lions are extinct east of the Mississippi save for a few small pockets in the state of Florida. In addition, even if that animal did run rampant in the east, there is no scientific evidence of a single black specimen. Not to mention dozens of black ones roaming around the countryside. But the jaguar is different. It is known to be melanistic, all black, and as of late has been photographed and confirmed in states like Arizona. So who's to say that these magnificent creatures haven't simply traveled further north, replacing the range of the extinct eastern mountain lion? You know, stranger things have happened. Oh, and I should add, prior to European intervention, the jaguar's range included the bottom half of the western and midwestern United States. So thank you again, Sean, for relaying that story. Now in regards to our next call of the evening... There's a group of people out there that I fully expected to hear more from when I started this show. Pizza delivery personnel. Well, finally, I got what I wanted. The following is Will's submission from the Peach State of Georgia. Hi, my name is Will. I live in Hiram, Georgia. I work in Marietta, which is roughly about half an hour away from where I work. I work as a pizza delivery driver. I had uh, an experience yesterday in Marietta. I was on a delivery. Had a rather large delivery order. Get to the house. 
there's lights on, there's there's people standing outside waiting for me when I pull up. I talk to the gentleman that has ordered the food, and as I'm handing him all the food, he, he hands me the money to pay for his pay for his order. He sets the food down. Uh, I should say uh, they, that him and his friend meet me at my car in, uh, in the driveway, and it's a pretty good distance from the end of the driveway to the house, I'd say probably 70, 80 feet. My car is a rather small car. Like I said, I, I meet them at the front of my car. I hand them the food. He hands me the money. And as I turn to get back into my car, which, I mean, the door is right behind me. As I turn, uh, I look back and there's nobody there. All the lights in the house are off. The two gentlemen, they, they just disappeared. I didn't hear any footsteps for them to have run off. Like I said, the driveway was about 70, 80 feet maybe. A little unsettling. Uh, it was it was probably about one o'clock in the morning. Uh, a very late delivery. He paid me. I had his money in my hand, but the food, him, his, his partner that was there, they were gone. Uh, in, in the blink of just a couple of seconds of turning to get into my door and turning back around as I'm trying to sit down into the car, they're, they're gone. Uh, all the lights are off in the house. So I call the number that they've given on the uh, on the receipt for their order to see if everything is okay, and the number is not not a working number, which is odd because I had called the number as I was making my delivery to let them know that I was going to be a little late, and, and I spoke to the gentleman beforehand, but it just really really unsettling last night with it being so late and with everything happening within inches from my face i've listened to other callers talk about their experiences on people just disappearing i don't recall any time lapse because the the clock on my car on the inside of my car was showing the time i was maybe there at the house maybe a total of two minutes maybe three I didn't see anything or I didn't hear anything and it just I, I get a I have an unsettling feeling about that house I don't know uh, maybe one of your other callers one of the listeners might have an explanation that I have not been able to think of but I love the show look forward to listening to more of the show and uh, keep it up thank you Will This one's left me scratching my head. I suppose we always have to account for some sort of elaborate prank. Although I'll be the first to admit that there really is no payoff with this one. So what does that leave us with? Time travel? Ghosts? A time slip? Perhaps just some super hungry and super fast guys? So since I'm stumped, maybe you guys can help us out. If you have a story like Will's or any paranormal encounter please submit your story today. Simply call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. You can also visit the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sightings tab for more submission options. And while I'm on the subject of announcements, be sure to follow the show on social media. We have a Twitter, Instagram, and a Facebook page 
as well as a closed Facebook group. The Monsters Among Us shop is stocked and ready for holiday purchases. So if you're looking for a mug, t-shirt, sticker, several different kinds of hats, uh, hit up the website and see what we have to offer. I recently reordered the black Brett Manning t-shirts. So if you guys were looking for one of those, uh, early next week, mid next week is probably when those will drop. And real quick, uh, don't forget to sign up for Patreon if you're looking for additional content. You're promised at least two additional episodes per month for a simple $4 pledge. So visit patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. Now before I move on, next week is a super busy week for me, but a week with tons of bonus content. So next week I will not have a new episode, but instead look for at least two bonus episodes to drop. Now at least one of these episodes will be sponsored, so by simply listening to the entire episode, it goes a long way to help support the show. And of course, I don't have to say, visiting the sponsor's site or buying their products does even more to help us out. So buckle up, next week is about to get a little crazy. Now before I play our next submission of the evening, we need to brush up on a classic cryptid. Southern New Jersey's Pine Barrens. It's named for the unusual pine forest that grows miraculously on a barren plain of sandy, acidic soil. Coupled with this curiosity is the hideous monster that supposedly haunts these woods, the Jersey Devil. Over the past 300 years, witnesses, too numerous to count, swear they've seen the mythical creature. There were many front page newspaper articles written about this, Posses were sent out. Children were kept in doors. Schools were closed. Factories were closed because of this one notorious week. From cops to mayors, I mean, you know, legitimate people saw this thing flying, and it's all described the same way. It has the bony head of a horse. The wings of a bat. Bright red, piercing, evil eyes. It's a mixture, a mishmash of different animal characteristics, very unexpected. There's really nothing in the natural world that contains all of these different characteristics. That clip comes courtesy of Monsters and Mysteries in America. So now that you're a little more familiar with this centuries-old legend, here's Taylor's story from the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Hi, Derek. I'm a first-time caller. My name is Taylor, and I'm from South Jersey. I wanted to share the time I think I saw the Jersey Devil. So again, I'm from Southern New Jersey, and back when I was in the sixth grade in 2008, a large part of our curriculum was building up to our big class trip where we went to a place called Mount Misery, which is in the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. So a lot of our science curriculum, you know, was learning about the nature, stuff like that. But of course, the New Jersey Department of Education decided to teach us about the Jersey Devil as well. So we got to hear all of the ghost stories and spooky, spooky, scary things from our teachers before we went on this big class trip where we spent three days out in the Pine Barrens at Mount Misery. So lo and behold, the day comes around. We all go to Mount Misery. Everything is great. We're learning nature, that kind of stuff. And on the third day, we are split up into three different groups. So our grade is probably about 150 kids, so I'm going to say 50, 50, 50. 
we were doing s'mores, ghost stories, and then a hayride. So our group did the ghost stories first during the day, and nothing particularly was about the Jersey Devil. It was just kind of stuff to scare the kids. Move on to the s'mores, that's normal. But by the time we got to the third activity, the hayride, the sun was setting. So the other two-thirds of the grade got to experience this hayride in the daytime, but we were experiencing it at night. And it was basically just a big, you know, a normal truck with a big open spot in the back with a bunch of hay that we all sat in. So some of the teachers piled in. I sat right next to my sixth-grade homeroom teacher, and we all went off on our way. So we're going through, and it should be noted the Pine Barrens are pretty uh, sandy, so we're going through all these sand gravel paths at night, and it gets so dark that my teacher is shining her flashlight up at the branches so we can see when to duck and not hit our head. So we go on for about maybe 10 minutes in the dusk, darkish, and we come out to this clearing. And this is a big sandy clearing with kind of sand dunes in the middle. And right at the bottom, it all kind of pools down into this big pond. And we're just teetering along the side of it. So we come out on the side of this clearing and we're just gonna go across the side and continue on our way. But as we're going across this clearing, now I'm on the far side from the pond, one of the kids on our group shout, oh my God, what's that thing drinking out of the water? We all turn and look and it looks like there's this, I wanna say deformed deer looking thing. It looked very sickly. You could see all of its ribs. It had weird, obscure horns. One was much bigger than the others if someone had lopped off that other side. But then out of its back, it had these big two grotesque, I guess, wing looking things shooting up out of it. And of course, when this kid yells, we all look over and see this sickly, deformed-looking deer, which is how all of the teachers have described the Jersey Devil to us this entire school year. So half of us think it's a hoax, half of us think it's hilarious, and then I see my teacher's reaction. And she shoves us all away, she starts screaming at the driver to drive faster, the driver guns it, and we're going. So she pushed me down and I didn't get any other look at this creature but I did see its head shoot up and acknowledge us. So after it acknowledged us and she's gunned on the gas, we're headed out of there, I see my teacher visibly shaking and she's holding all of us back. And that's when I start getting the sense, maybe this isn't a joke by the teachers, maybe it is something real. But I can tell the group is kind of 50-50 on this. Eventually we get back to camp totally unharmed and we roll out and our whole hayride is laughing and joking because obviously this is something the teachers did to joke us or trick us, right? But I noticed my teacher again because I have some suspicions and she goes over and starts talking to the other teachers about what they saw and if they should start locking up our cabins at night or like what was out there, just speaking in hushed tones. So at that point, I knew something was up. We really saw something out there. And I'm still to this day not sure if it's actually the Jersey Devil or if I just saw some weird deformed deer but I did watch an episode of Paranormal State, if you've ever seen that show, and they went looking for the Jersey Devil and they caught some weird deformed looking deer on their thermal camera. You can go Google image it if you search. But uh, that, whatever that was, that's exactly what I saw. I'm not saying it's the Jersey Devil, I'm not entirely sure, but correct place, very similar description. But whatever it is, something is out there in the Pine Barrens and I witnessed it, I guess 11 years ago now to the day. But in any case, uh, thank you for listening to my message. I really enjoy your podcast, and I definitely will keep listening to you guys while I'm at work. Thanks, Derek.
Thank you, Taylor. I believe this is only the second submission that possibly describes this infamous cryptid. And I have to say, Taylor's description really describes the devil. So what was it? A deer with deformities? A trick of the eye? Or possibly a prank put on by the teachers? Well, my biggest suggestion here, Taylor, is to look that teacher up. She has to have a Facebook account. Reach out to her and ask point blank what happened that night. And when you find your answer, be sure to let us know. Oh, and I've linked to the Paranormal State clip that Taylor talked about, so check out the show notes to get a glimpse of that thing yourself. Thank you again, Taylor, for sharing that amazing tale. Now, our next entry of the evening sent me down a rabbit hole. Let's see where Patrick's story takes you. The following is his tale from the state of Kansas. Hi, Derek. This is Patrick in the state of Kansas. Love your show. Been listening for like a year now. Probably heard every single episode. Finally worked up the nerve to call. Had a few experiences in my life way back in the day. Nothing in my recent life, but uh, maybe we're just more attuned to that wavelength or spectrum of reality when we're younger. Anyway, this probably happened in the year 2006, maybe 2007. I was 18 or 19 at the time. This was the summertime in Kansas. My friend and I, we uh, used to entertain ourselves by taking super long cruises through the country in the evening and into the night sometimes, and just exploring the back roads of our state, our county, whatever. And this particular night, we drove, I don't know, we were driving forever. We were driving around Lake City down in Barber County, Kansas. It's basically a ghost town. If anyone's listening from Lake City, I apologize. I know that there are people who actually live there, but it's like probably five people. Yeah, just nothing there, nothing out there. So we're driving around there uh, on a back road, just talking, chatting it up. This is maybe like 1.30 in the morning or something like that. It's pretty late. It was on a weekend. My friend and I were driving down this road, just talking, like I said. And I'm looking out the window, looking at the stars or whatever, because that's about all you can see out there. And thing just stands up on the side of the road. I don't... We couldn't see what it was. It just stood straight up seemed to be about the size of a deer. I saw it. My friend saw it at the same time, so he kind of pumped the brakes. A deer are a pretty common sight anywhere, and in Kansas also. So we thought nothing of it at first, but we stopped, so we didn't hit the deer. And next thing we know, this thing leaps completely across the road. Like, it doesn't run across the road like a deer. Also, a deer wouldn't run across the road. It would run away from us. Yeah, it ran across the road basically on two legs it was maybe four or five feet tall bipedal it moved very fast we couldn't really see much detail except for when we saw it initially when it stood up the uh, headlights must have caught its eyes its eyes were bright red when they caught the headlights seemed to be covered in dark hair maybe had dark skin couldn't get any detail so that was pretty strange. Ran across the road, ran to the other side of the road, into the field, into the darkness where we couldn't see it anymore. 
my friend and I were just sitting there staring at each other like, what the hell was that? My friend, I think, suggested, oh, my God, was that a chupacabra? I thought it was hilarious. I said maybe it was like a little Bigfoot. I don't know. Couldn't see any details. So we kept driving away from there, and it's 1.30 in the morning in Barber County, Kansas, which is close to the Oklahoma border, and there's like the most populous town in that county is maybe 2,000 people, and it was nowhere near where we were. We were about 30 miles away from it. And as we're driving down the road, this big white pickup truck, like a new model pickup truck comes screaming towards us in the direction of whatever the hell it was we'd just seen. You know, we don't think anything of this at first because even though it's late, people in Kansas drive trucks, especially out in the country, you know, it could have been a farmer or something, you know, who knows. So anyways, this truck is driving towards us and that passes us. And we just kind of made a mental note. It was a newer model truck, white, large. It was going really fast. I mean, we were peeling out of there probably around 50 miles per hour, about as quick as you want to go on a dirt road. They had to have been going about 80, maybe 90. They were hauling ass towards that thing we'd just seen, which, you know, we thought nothing of at that moment. Anyways, we passed that truck, and we're, we're still driving, wondering what the hell it was we'd just seen. And then we see this other truck coming up towards us. We didn't know it was a truck at the time. We just saw headlights, you know, because they were off in the distance. And they closed with us really fast because they were hauling, too. And as we passed, we saw that that truck was the uh, exact same make, model, year as the truck that we just passed, which is not common at all. To see that much traffic on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere at 1.30-ish in the morning in the middle of Kansas, let alone two trucks that are the exact same make and model, it's pretty strange. Uh, by this point, we're like, what is going on? You know, so we keep driving. If you've ever driven back roads of uh, the Midwest, you're from Ohio, so you probably, I don't know, it might be a little more hilly, windy there, but yeah, roads just going straight lines here in Kansas. So we are driving straight and we see another set of headlights and uh, this one is hauling ass to just gains on us in no time. They were going like 80 as well past them. This was a large white new model van. We got no look at any of the plates or anything, but it was just, yeah, pretty weird that we saw some something that ran on two legs about the size of a small person, you know, in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of nowhere, and heading in its direction with great speed <laughs> were uh, three new model white vehicles of uh, unknown origin. I don't know what that was. Pretty strange, you know. Our minds went to conspiracies, aliens, uh, you know, I have no idea. But that was pretty weird. Uh, anyways, again, love your podcast, man. You take care. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you, Patrick. This was a fun one. I remember doing something very similar when I was younger. Small town boredom can be brutal. When I cruised the back roads, however... I'd often strap my video camera to the dashboard and record the back roads in hope of something like this thing popping out. Patrick, I wish you had a video cam on your dashboard. Now, I love the layers to this story. It's almost like an 80s horror classic. The setting is perfect, 
small town, bored teens, and a sighting of a creature. Moments later, a team of government agents swarm the area, and chaos ensues. Of course, in the 80s, his, the teens either befriend or are hunted down and eaten before the suits can intervene. But this ain't the movies, so what is this thing? So that question led me to thinking, what do I know about Kansas in regards to cryptids, creatures, monsters? Then it hit me, Plum Island, New York. And a research center conspiracy theorists claim created Lyme disease as a form of biological warfare. And if the stories are true, possibly a lot more. Less than 100 miles from New York City is Plum Island Lab. Here, the U.S. government conducts top-secret biological experiments. Most Americans are unaware of the facility, but it has been linked to an Al-Qaeda plot and an alarming past tied to Nazi scientists. Deadly diseases, terrorism threats, and top-secret government research. Sounds like a best-selling novel, but it's the storyline for a real lab operated by the Department of Homeland Security. And now it's about to clear its last hurdle before coming to K-State. Here's NBC Action News investigator Ryan Kapp with more. Ryan? Elizabeth, the mystery of Plum Island is featured in books and recently highlighted on TV by Jesse Ventura. Research is so dangerous it's been banned to an offshore location. But the government wants to break new ground and move the facility off the island and into the Midwest. Those clips come courtesy of Discovery Channel and KSHB, NBC News 4 out of Kansas City, respectively. So you might be wondering what I'm getting at here with all of this. Well, remember when I mentioned that conspiracy theorists claim that the research center came up with Lyme disease? Well, that's not the worst of their concerns. There are claims of mutant animals, animal-human hybrids, and it's even claimed that the infamous Montauk Monster escaped from the Plum Island Research Center. So is it possible that this research center developed a creature that Patrick saw, and it simply escaped from the newly relocated facility formerly known as Plum Island? Well, in doing all this research for this little segment, I learned that the chances of any of this being true is slim to none. The Plum Island Animal Disease Center is a research facility strictly interested in preventing animal diseases, not creating monsters. There has been no evidence of strange creatures or anything escaping the facility. And I think we all know that the Montauk Monster is obviously a partially decomposed raccoon or dog. And here is the final dagger. The facility still hasn't relocated to Kansas. If that move happens at all, it's not scheduled until 2023. So was this all just a big bust or what? Maybe not. Let me leave you with this possible tinfoil hat earning theory. If the US government saw Kansas fit for a top secret animal disease research center, could it also find it fit for a more nefarious program? Say a program that creates small, hairy humanoids like the one Patrick and his pal saw that evening. And of course, if one of those things were to escape, they wouldn't retrieve it in a police car or even a souped-up van with the letters CIA, FBI, or Homeland Security plastered on the side. No. Just like in those great 80s flicks, they'd show up in a stable of unmarked, plain, white vehicles. And that's about as deep as I'm willing to go into any of these wacky conspiracy theories. So thank you, Patrick, for helping to stretch those boundaries. 
And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Eddie Lloyd, and Tony Bell. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And that terrifying score you're hearing? Let's go, Dodag. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. So tonight's bonus story was a written submission read by the wonderfully talented Warren Pon Abbott. The following story was submitted anonymously from the state of Minnesota. I've told this story before, but not many people take me seriously. This happened in Minnesota while I lived with my parents. I was 16, about five years ago, and we lived in the woods. My parents still live there. My bedroom was very small, about five foot wide, and I had a window across from my bed. The window sits high off the ground, and from the outside, the top of the window is probably seven foot off the ground. I had most of the window covered except for a one square foot at the top right corner. I woke up one night very scared and barely able to move for hours until the sun came up. This continued for several days until I had enough courage to look at the window, and what I saw made me even more scared. I saw a big head and neck that attached to shoulders with wild untamed hair covering all of the body I could see. The head was big enough it went past the top of the window, but I couldn't see any features of its face. It came back night after night for six months or more, but it never left tracks. I don't think it's sleep paralysis because I tried screaming for my parents and hitting on the wall I shared with my parents' bedroom, but I could never get them to wake up. I should also say that one of my parents' neighbors will never go into the woods around there ever again after his experience with something strange following him as he was walking in the woods. Whatever was following him scared him really bad, and he's not someone who scares easily. Thank you, Submitter, and thank you, Warren, for reading that story. As strange as it sounds, this sort of phenomenon is not unheard of. In fact, I can think back to the film The Legend of Boggy Creek, in which the Falk Monster, or whatever they want to call that thing, was peeking in windows and even, if I remember correctly, put its arm in and tried to pull the person out. To be honest, it's a scene that I think about quite frequently every time I find myself doing dishes at night. Thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share, and thank you for sticking around to the end of the program. Have a good night.